The scoring loop said Bobby Pierce won, but some armchair officials saw things differently. We'll dive into the Lucas Deer Creek finish today, plus talk weekend results, some sprint car ride news, and tonight's XR Super Series show. Let's go. It's Monday, July 10th. I'm Justin Fiedler. This is Dirt Tracker Daily. It is Eldora Million Week action gets rolling on Wednesday, and we'll be talking about it plenty over the next several days. If you are going to be at Eldora for the Million in Kings Royal coming up, be sure to visit our friends at Whistle Stop Bar and Grill located just south of the track, six miles down 118 in Ansonia, Ohio. Once you leave Eldora and head south, it's a straight shot there. You literally don't have to make any turns as the Whistle Stop sits right on 118. Uh, that is Main Street in Ansonia. If you get to the train tracks, turn around. You went too far. Uh, the Whistle Stop have been huge supporters of dirt racing with partnerships with Sheldon and Jack Hoddenshield, Rico Abreu, Chris Windham, Cap Henry, the Dirt Nerds, uh, Eldora Speedway, and now Dirt Tracker. They offer indoor and outdoor dining for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or you can order online at whistlebarandgrill.com, and you can take it back to the Eldora campground. We've got a really big menu. I'm sure everyone in your group can find something good to eat. So be sure to visit our friends at Ohio's favorite train depot, the Whistle Stop, while in town for Eldora's historic week. We closed out last week talking about drama between Ricky Thornton Jr. and Hudson O'Neill at Deer Creek with Lucas. And we'll start this week with more drama at Deer Creek with Lucas. If you missed it, Saturday night in the 50,000 to win uh, weekend finale, we had a photo finish between O'Neill and Bobby Pierce. Uh, Hudson O'Neill had taken over uh, out front just before halfway from pole sitter Chris Madden, and he controlled the show down the stretch. Pierce had moved up from 10th to get into the mix, and Brandon Shepard was in pursuit as well. Late in the race, Pierce was able to reel in the Rocket House car with both drivers absolutely beating down the boards on top. On the final lap, O'Neill slipped up in one and two and caught the wall pretty hard, which allowed the 32 machine to close. Into three, Pierce made his move, sending in a big slider and clearing O'Neill on the other side. Out of four, O'Neill then dipped low for the crossover and it was a drag race back to the finish. Initially, Dustin Jarrett and James Essex on the mics did not call a winner. Pierce celebrated immediately, but it was basically 10 minutes before we had an official announcement that Pierce was the victor by two thousandths of a second over O'Neill. Didn't take long, though, for the video dissection to begin and for some folks to be up in arms about the result. Based on a flow racing camera that isn't quite aligned with the flag stand, some are saying it's clear that O'Neill was the winner. But in the aftermath, internet sleuths have discovered that the scoring loop that was used to call the race for Pierce is actually before the flag stand. And I think this situation brings up a lot of interesting points. In my opinion, if the scoring loop says Pierce, then it's Pierce. That's the whole reason we use electronic timing and scoring in transponders, so we can avoid judgment calls. We obviously don't have a painted start-finish line on dirt tracks, and I think talk of theoretical lines or imaginary planes being broken is just not worthwhile. We need a hard and fast way to make these calls. If it isn't the scoring loop, then how do we decide where exactly the finish line is? Is it the front of the flag stand, the middle, the back, some point in between. It all feels too ambiguous, and I don't like ambiguous, especially when there is no visible line and no cameras pointed directly down the line to make an eyeball judgment. And my thoughts on this are exactly how the Lucas officials made the call. Series director Rick Schwally told Dirt on Dirt that they had video to look at which was too close to call, and they didn't have a shot from a photographer that was straight on. He said, quote, so the most technical thing we have is the transponder system, and that says 32, and the transponders were in the same spot on both cars, so 32 is the winner, unquote. 
seems fairly cut and dry to me. Are there better systems and better ways to do all of this? Yeah, probably. But in this instance, with the tools available, this was the right decision. I also saw chatter about the transponders themselves and their mounting location, but Lucas did check both cars and they were satisfied with where they were located. It's funny how nobody talks about things like transponder location until a situation like this pops up. These types of calls on photo finishes have been argued before, and there are plenty of racetracks around the country where the scoring loop and the flag stain don't line up, which has spurred some of these situations in the past. And some of those examples are fairly significant gaps between the loop and the flag stand. I was sent illustrations of both Red Dirt Raceway and Tri-State Speedway in Oklahoma where the loops and the stands are pretty far apart. Red Dirt on the left in the photo if you're watching uh, on YouTube and Tri-State on the right. Uh, and it's not uncommon for that to be the case that the scoring loop and the flag stand are not near each other and sometimes really far not near each other. I don't think that should necessarily be an issue, but I do think it's important that the loops are marked somehow so the fans and competitors can understand where exactly the line really is. I had one series official send me a quite lengthy email with some fantastic explanations of a lot of this, and he said that flag stands are no longer the start-finish line in our sport, but rather they have just become a signal stand with the line elsewhere at some places, and I think that makes a lot of sense and is fine as long as that line or loop is clearly marked. I think that would go a long way towards avoiding some of the backlash like we saw on Saturday. A couple of other points here that I think are important. On Twitter yesterday, I got asked about the photo systems used for horse racing and how viable they would be for a case like this. A Roger Slack, who used to run Eldora, jumped in and said they had a chance to buy a used system like this several years ago for Eldora, but it came with a price tag of over $50,000 and it didn't include some of the necessary parts and pieces. So clearly that probably isn't an option for most racetracks. I also think it's worth noting that neither O'Neill or anyone from the Rocket side seemed particularly upset about the call. O'Neill was much more bothered by the fact that he felt like he threw the win away with some of his mistakes, allowed Pierce into the fight. Uh, feel free to use the comment section below to weigh in on all of this. Ricky Thorne Jr. maintains the Lucas points lead, even though he was 14th in the Saturday feature after needing a B-main transfer. Tim McCready still holds that all-important fourth position with Jonathan Davenport 85 points back. Lucas is right back to racing tomorrow night at Davenport Speedway in Iowa. Uh, before we move on and uh, get into a bunch of more stuff from the weekend, I did want to give you a Dirt Tracker swag update. We did a big merch drop last week with new hats and shirts. Uh, actually, I'm wearing the shirt uh, and I'm down to just a single graphite flex fit left. This is the last one of these I have and it is a small medium. I do still have some of the black flex fits left uh, in the large extra large size. Uh, I also dropped the price on the old t-shirts, the sprint car shirt, the late model shirt. Those are now just $10 if you want one. The sizes in those are limited though, as stock is low. And as of Saturday, there are some fresh sticker options available in the store. I've restocked the sprint car stickers, which I can't seem to keep in stock. Uh, and I've added two new car versions. One is a midget like that. Uh, and one is a modified. The modified has been uh, requested. So uh, those are in the store now. They are all $5 each. We'll ship free if that's all you want. Uh, you can check out all of the Dirt Tracker merch, including hats, shirts, stickers, and can koozies over at shop.dirttracker.com. Uh, with the word of all that sprinklers over the weekend, the Friday show at 34 Raceway was rained out. I know some folks were upset about the plug being pulled there. Uh, but as I've said before, I'm not going to criticize tracks and facilities for their decisions on weather-affected days. No matter what they do, it's bad for everyone. If there's rain in the forecast, everybody loses. That's just how it is. On Saturday, the Outlaws headed to Wilmot Raceway in Wisconsin, and after sitting on the pole, Carson Macedo got by early leader Donnie Schatz on lap 16, led the rest of the way for his fourth win of the season, and first in over a month. 
Macedo obviously had that terrible crash at Knoxville back in June, and it was good to see him and that team uh, score a win again. Plus, it was Jason Johnson's birthday this past Friday. Uh, Brad Sweet went fourth to second, Sheldon Huddenshield 10th to third. Headed to Attica on Tuesday for the Brad Doty Classic. Sweet's championship lead over David Gravel is now 12. Macedo is 50 back. And around the Outlaw shows, uh, we did get some sprint car ride news as well. Roth Motorsports announced that Buddy Kofoid will continue with the team through the end of the season. They'll run a pick-and-choose schedule, including the big events like the Million, the Kings Royal, Knoxville Nationals. Crew Chief Dylan Buswell will continue to lead that effort. Obviously not a surprising move here. This was an announcement we were expecting. As for Hunter Schoenberg, we know he's running the Million and Kings Royal this week with Swindell Speed Lab, but he may have found a more permanent home with Kevin Newton. Newton has been running some himself this season, but Schoenberg was in a second winged car for him uh, with the Outlaws at Wilmot. If you don't know Newton, you may have seen his sponsorships lately around the sport. He's the CEO of Honest Abe Roofing, which is based in Terre Haute, Indiana. They are on the side of Logan Seabee's non-wing sprint car, and they are a partner of USAC's this season. Scherenberg ran with Newton as well during the recent IRA show at Fairbury, and it sounds like this pairing could continue into the future. Over to the All-Stars, our two main points contenders split the weekend win. Zeb Wise flat dominating at Ranceville. He won by 11 seconds over Kerry Madsen and Chris Windham. Tyler Courtney led all 35 laps Saturday at Sharon to score the Lou Blaney Memorial win over Wyndham and Zeb. Points battle did close up just a little bit. Zeb gained eight points on Sunshine with the two weekend podiums. It was 68 points between them. Now it's 60. The All-Stars are quiet this week, but we'll follow up the Kings Royal and Million with a Tuesday stop at Lernerville for the $25,000 Don Martin Memorial Silver Cup. If you're curious, uh, go check out the stats, dirttracker.com slash analytics. Click on the All-Stars section. Zeb and Sunshine, both better this season uh, in terms of average finish and a lot of the main stack categories. And Chris Wyndham has taken a really big step forward as well. Uh, seems to be paying off that move that Lane Racing made. Kerry Madsen, two top fives in his first all-star races with Vermeer. At Macon Speedway Friday and Saturday, I thought the USAC National Sprint Cars put on some really great shows. Uh, you know, the, the USAC National Sprint Cars, non-wing cars, uh, non-wing 410 cars on such a little racetrack always seems to be like a good idea. Mitchell Moles was the Friday winner. Brady Bacon bounced back Saturday to win after crashing in that Friday feature. Bacon's Friday crash was a strange one to me, kind of watching him slide high out of two and catch the wall at the opening. We also had Justin Grant hitting an infield uh, push truck and the safety workers needing several minutes to kind of untangle the two cars. Uh, it was a good thing it was just a show up points only weekend of the two nights as Grant and points leader just, uh, Jake Swanson had weekends to absolutely forget. Sprint cars are back July 21st at Gas City to begin Indiana Sprint. Other sprint car winners uh, this weekend included Matt Covington and Jason Martin splitting the ASCS victories at Dodge City. They're still separated by 58 points in the championship with everyone else triple digits back. National Tour continues this coming weekend with stops at Thunderbird and Batesville. Out in California, Chase Johnson started ninth, picked up the NARC win at Petaluma, even surviving contact with a slowing lap car. That same lap car did end Dominic Selzy's night after he led 18 of the 30 laps. Justin Sanders and Corey Day were also on the podium. Uh, they don't have updated point standings uh, over on the NARC website yet, but Corey Day should have extended his points lead with the issues for Selzy. Brian Brown won Saturday at Knoxville. Danny Dietrich and Devin Borden took wins at Lincoln and Port Royal, and Christopher Trom won Sunday at Hussett's. Weekend Summer Nationals winners included Brian Shirley Friday night at Farmer City. Ashton Winger won Saturday at Highland, and Dylan Thompson picked up a stunner on Sunday at Hopstot. After leader Shannon Babb was impeded by a lapper in the final two corners, allowing Thompson by for the win. Jason Fager was the week four champion. Uh, Josh Rice uh, picked up on the Ironman win at Hills, uh, Hilltop, excuse me, 
Frank Heckenhaus Jr. was a dirt car winner at Fairbury. Tyler Carpenter won Saturday at Tyler County. And Drake Troutman was a $10,000 winner on Sunday at Brush Creek. If you want some racing tonight, the XR Super Series late models are headed for Dubuque Speedway. Uh, $20,000 to win, $2,000 to start. With two races complete, Hudson O'Neill leads that championship over Mike Marler and Dale McDowell. Coming off the Deer Creek weekend with Lucas, looks like a lot of big names are expected at Dubuque, including Bobby Pierce, Ricky Thornton Jr., O'Neill, Marler, Brandon Overton, Brandon Shepard, Chris Madden, Devin Rand, John Davenport, and a whole lot more. The last time a big touring series was at De- uh, Dubuque was 2018 when B-Ship picked up the win over Chris Simpson and Jimmy Mars. Simpson does have a recent Mars series win at Dubuque. That was in August of 2022. Racing starts tonight at 6.30 with Hot Laps. Uh, if you can't get there, you can watch the action live on XR+. If you need an XR subscription, click the link below in the video description or the XR links over at DirtTracker.com. That helps me out, gets you all of their action, including the upcoming Northern Storm Tour. Uh, that's it for the daily today. Hope you guys have a good Monday out there. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. Tomorrow.